You're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review for Tuesday, March 22nd, 2022. I'm Cutta Babcock. And I'm Portia Cook. And you're tuned in to KCSU Fort Collins. On today's show, Kira McKinley goes over campus news with information on how the Women in Gender Advocacy Center is supporting survivors. Then, Portia Cook covers local news with details on the arrest of a woman involved in a prostitution operation in Fort Collins. Coda Babcock goes over new updates in COVID-19 statistics and policies, and he speaks to Loveland City Councilmember John Fogel about the National League of Cities and how national legislation like the Bipartisan Infrastructure Law will impact Northern Colorado. After that, I go over information on several shootings that occurred this weekend and how one Florida city is acting by enforcing a curfew and discouraging tourists. After that, KCSU Sports goes over details on the free agency. CTV reporters give us a debrief on CSU's women's softball. Then, CTV reporters give us a debrief on CSU women's softball. To conclude today's show, Coda explains some updates on technology with information on Google's settlement with six employees who accused the company of interfering with employee organizing. Let's move right into campus and local news. This is Kira McKinley reporting your campus news for Tuesday, March 22nd. The Colorado State University Women and Gender Advocacy Center hosts a Survivor Speakers Bureau workshop at the beginning of April. This workshop aims to support primary and secondary survivors of interpersonal violence who want to tell their stories. These survivors can take a two-hour workshop on Wednesday, April 6th. After this workshop, they can speak at other WGAC events and share their story. To sign up for this event, email WGAC at colostate.edu. In other news, some students may soon see their textbook prices go down. The Colorado Commission on Higher Education has granted CSU $75,000, according to Jenna Allen of CSU Source News. This money would go towards lowering textbook prices and high enrollment courses that seek to promote diversity, equity, and inclusion. Thank you for listening to my CSU Campus News Updates. I'm Kira McKinley, and you're listening to 90.5 KCSU. Here's Portia Cook with your local news updates. Now on to local news. A section of North Brown Timberline Road will be closed beginning today. The section will be closed until March 30th, weather permitting. A detour will be available at Trilby Road and LeMay Avenue. Fort Collins police arrested a woman suspected of running a prostitution operation, according to a press release from the city of Fort Collins. In July of 2021, Fort Collins Police Services received information about illicit activities occurring at a massage business. After launching an investigation on the business and its owner, Courier Lee, police found evidence of illegal sexual activity being advertised and conducted. Lee was arrested in February after more evidence was found in her home and financial records. Lee faces charges such as pimping, prostitution, and pandering. The assistant chief of the Special Operations Division in Fort Collins stated to the public information officer that they are extremely grateful to the person that spoke up and shared their concerns. Colorado wolves went almost two months before killing cattle until this past week. Colorado Parks and Wildlife confirmed that wolves are responsible for injuring a nine-year-old cow. The injuries were so severe for the cow that it had to be euthanized shortly after being found. The ranch is a part of Big Creek Ranch north of Walden, Colorado, and they will be reimbursed for the incident. This is the fourth cow to be injured or killed by wolves in Colorado. Two adult wolves naturally migrated from Wyoming into Colorado last spring and now have given birth to six pups. Colorado Parks and Wildlife are still looking at ways to prevent livestock from being attacked on Colorado farms and ranches. A full closure of the intersection of Interstate 25 and U.S. Highway 34 will be happening tonight from 9 in the evening until Wednesday at 5 in the morning. 
For the past months, crews have been attempting to pour concrete on the south side of the bridge, but weather has not allowed them to finish. Both directions of I-25 will be closed tonight, but detours will be available. Thanks for listening to your local news with the Rocky Mountain Review. Turn in Tuesdays and Thursdays from 4 to 5 p.m. I am Portia Cook, and you're listening to KCSU on 90.5 FM. Today's content was written by Ellie Shannon for KCSU News. I'm DJ Colonel Sanders here at KCSU Fort Collins at 90.5 FM. And we're back on the Rocky Mountain Review. If you miss any part of campus and local news with Kira McKinley and Portia Cook, check out our podcast on Spotify and Apple Music to listen back. I'm Coda Babcock, and these are COVID-19 updates for Tuesday. Colorado State University reports over 9,000 cases of COVID-19 among students, staff, and faculty of the university. Students, employees, and visitors are no longer required to wear masks inside campus buildings except in specific facilities such as the CSU Health Network. Larimer County reports a low community transmission level for COVID-19, with over 77,000 cases in the county and over 470 total deaths. The county's seven-day case rate sits at about 48 cases per 100,000 residents, with about 3% of COVID-19 tests coming back positive in the past week. COVID-19 patients make up less than 2% of occupied inpatient beds in county hospitals, and new COVID-19 admissions are down to about 3 per 100,000 residents in the past seven days. The state of Colorado reports over 1.3 million total COVID-19 cases and is nearing 13,000 deaths across the state. 4.8 million people received testing for COVID-19 in the state, and over 61,000 are hospitalized for COVID-19 in Colorado. Over 10.3 million vaccine doses have been administered, and over 3.9 million Colorado residents are fully immunized against the virus that causes COVID-19, or about 73% of all eligible Coloradans. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention reports over 79.5 million COVID-19 cases, along with over 969,000 deaths. Over 558 million vaccines have been administered nationwide, with about 81% of eligible people now vaccinated with at least one dose. I'm Coda Babcock, and that's all for Tuesday's COVID-19 updates. Information from this segment comes from Colorado State University, Larimer County, the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment, and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. If you are a student, staff member, or faculty member at CSU, visit covid.colostate.edu to learn about submitting vaccine information and to get the most recent information on COVID-19 at the university. Today I'm joined by Loveland City Councilmember John Fogel, who recently attended the National League of Cities Congressional City Conference, where city council members and other city officials learn more about the impact of the American Rescue Plan Act and the infrastructure law. 
Fogel joined over 1,000 other attendees as they heard from President Biden about economic recovery from the COVID-19 pandemic and the role of local leaders. Thank you so much for joining me today, Council Member. Thank you. So before we get started, would you mind explaining a little bit about what the National League of Cities is and how your personal experience as a city council member allows you to serve as a representative? Absolutely. The National League of Cities is a group of 2,800 plus cities from around the country that belong to the organization for several purposes. First and foremost, for education about issues that affect us both nationally and locally. We do lobbying. The National League of Cities is a lobbying group. So through the efforts of local elected officials like myself, we set up lobbying agendas to the different areas of Congress, the Senate, and of course, the presidency. Any local member can attend the National League of Cities conventions and participate throughout the year in all of their activities. One of the other side benefits of the National League of Cities is education. Through National League of Cities University, of which I'm a fellow, the National League of Cities offers educational seminars throughout the year that can fill in most of the blanks for local leaders in every size of city, from little bitty cities to New York City. All right. And then after attending the recent NLC conference, what do you think is something that all of Larimer County's residents need to understand about national economic recovery policies? Well, there there's several different levels of the of the current ARPA funding. The ARPA funding, this is the first time in history that, uh, that uh, federal funding has been given directly to cities and counties. Up until this point, any kind of recovery funding was always sent through the states, which, my opinion, it made it slow, cumbersome, and I don't believe the money got to everything where it needed to be. So the current administration saw fit to send Uh, the bulk of the money, which is a little over 50% of it, directly to cities, towns, and counties, allowing us to take care of distributing the funding within our own districts the way we see fit. And nobody at the federal level could ever know our communities as well as we do. All right. And then with the infrastructure plan continuously making headlines, many people get a bit confused and caught up in the details. So what are some big picture concepts that our residents can expect to benefit from in the next few years? And what are some issues they can potentially expect to see as infrastructure gets repaired or built? Well, one of the big things that I've been working on for years now, about seven years, is fiber broadband to bring you know high-speed internet to everyone in the community. The county doesn't have an active program. Well, both all the cities in our county do. Estes Park has Trailblazer, which is about 40% built out. Fort Collins has Connection, which is about 60% built out. Loveland has Pulse, which you can see on the banner behind me if you're looking. And Longmont has Next Light Me, which has been is about three years ahead of everybody because they started earlier. Now, the county, through some of the funding that's going to come down from the federal government, $65.1 billion, and I did say billion, will be dedicated directly to high-speed internet and high-speed connectivity to homes, towns, counties, tribal entities, and everybody else to be able to hook up their residents in ways that have never been possible before. Well, we're lucky in Larimer County that our citizens are receiving services or will have the availability of services within the cities. The county can absolutely use this kind of funding to stretch that connectivity that will exist in the cities out into county enclaves and give people connectivity that they've never had before. That's just part of the, by the BIL bill for infrastructure. 
we've been fighting for years as with the National League of Cities to bring broadband into the conversation with infrastructure. And about three years we started three years ago, we started succeeding. Where now when they mention city, when they mention roads and bridges and things like that, they also they also mention broadband, which is a huge win for the National League of Cities. The $65 billion in the ARPA funding that was directed to cities was largely an accomplishment of the National League of Cities because they petitioned for that starting about two years ago when COVID first started. They wanted the funding to go direct to the cities and counties and not to the states and add that extra layer of confusion, that extra layer of division, and that extra layer of slowing things down. You've lived in Loveland for over 50 years, and as a result, some of the main issues you focus on are broadband and transportation, which impact just about everyone in Loveland. How do you think new policies for economic recovery help to strengthen those systems, and what do you think will still need to be done locally? Well, from a local standpoint, for I'll start with broadband, because that's where I'm the most experienced. The One of the things that we need to do, uh, the advent of Senate Bill 52, 152 in 2005, which kept cities and counties from participating in the broadband space. Everybody in this Northern Colorado area has overridden that bill. We've opted out, but there are tons of communities in Colorado that have not done it. To be able to work and play well together between the county, the city and the town level, they need to opt out of that bill and then move forward in the broadband space. As far as transportation, the amount of transportation dollars that's gonna be available is simply staggering. The one piece of that that we're really working hard for is, isn't even in Larimer County, it's in Boulder County, and that's the last piece of Northern I-25, which is Bertha to Longmont. That piece is not funded. Once you get past the Bertha Hill, then everything goes back down to two lanes for a short time until it widens back out to three lanes over by Longmont. That's going to be a bottleneck because in Northern Colorado, we've been absolutely fortunate to have lots of progress, as you can see. Unfortunately, it's quite a mess. That's just how construction is. But when it's all done, we'll have uh, wonderful highways in northern Colorado. We just need to be able to tie it all together by getting that last piece from Bertha. And our legislators and even at the National League of Cities, they're working on getting the federal funding out of the BIL to be able to fill in that last piece of northern Colorado. All right. And then understanding the ways that you've really been able to impact the city as well as kind of Colorado as a whole, why do you think that it's important that local communities and local community members like yourself engage directly with national policies and local policies in order to really support their communities? Well, when it really boils down to it, you can sit out here and you can go to your city council meetings and come up with high ideas and send letters, and it's maybe marginally effective. But working with the National League of Cities on their boards, their commissions, I'm also on the board of directors of National League of Cities, working directly with the National League of Cities, I've been able to influence policy. I uh, personally was involved in writing the truth and advertising portion of the bills that are in place for broadband, which are now being picked up and taken on by the FCC. And they're going to be putting on broadband nutrition labels where all broadband providers of any kind and or communications providers of any kind have to use a standard format in their advertising. They're calling it a broadband nutrition label. 
you know, euphemistically looking at the nutrition label that's on the back of your cheese whiz bottle, but that's that they haven't come up with a better name yet. But I'm just very, very happy that that's going to happen because the way that broadband has been advertised for years is kind of the wild, wild west. Everybody does it differently. And the public, unfortunately, doesn't have a good basis for comparison. Now they will. That'll probably happen within the year. All right. And then going back to kind of the events that happened at the NLC conference, were there any events or workshops that really shifted your perspective on some issues that face local residents? Yes, in some respects. During the board of directors meeting, we had a live conference through Zoom with the mayor of Lviv, uh, Ukraine listening to what's going on in that city. Lviv is a city of about 900,000 on the western side of Ukraine. Very, very well-spoken gentleman. He spoke through with an interpreter and in English about half the time. And his town of 900,000 people is hosting over 200,000 refugees from the east of Ukraine that have come to his city. And his, his ask was very simple. He said, we need food. We need it in quantity and we don't particularly care what. We need food, we need medical supplies, and we need money to feed these people and house these people until this conflict is over. And watching that from somebody who literally sits in a a situation like I do as a city councilor was very moving. And then, of course, you saw the uh, nationwide broadcast, the president of Ukraine talking to Congress. We saw we had that piped into our breakfast at National League of Cities and watched that. And then we also watched some videos that were shown to us after that from Ukraine. It's it's heart wrenching. It really is. What what the situation is for Ukraine in the future. I wish I could hold up a crystal ball and know, but I, I think it's all up in the air. All right. And then switching gears a little bit, Loveland has worked to provide resources like utility and rent payment assistance, among other services throughout the pandemic. What do policies like the American Rescue Act do to continue those efforts into the future? Um, A good chunk of the American Rescue Act, the first half, we had we got nine point two million dollars. So we got it in two tranches. One was four point six million, which we've already received. The second tranche should be forthcoming in in a couple of months. The first tranche we used just under a million dollars of that for rent assistance and for business assistance. So when I say business assistance, it wasn't in the form of cash payments to the business businesses. It was in the form of rent payments to their landlords to help them during the times that they were closed and to help them recover without, you know, taking a big bath on their rent and their expenses. So a good, I'd say a good 25 to 30% of the money that we received was used for rent assistance to businesses and to individuals and to also bolster the uh, utility repayment program. Another third of the money that we received in the first tranche was used to put our people back to work at City Hall because we were expecting to just see an incredible decimation of our sales tax base. So a lot of people were relieved and a lot of people were sent home on furlough and we needed to bring those people back and catch them up because that's that's not just people working. It's not just people doing our streets. Those are lives and they got kids and everything that goes with it for each and each and every one of us. And then the other third was used throughout the city on um, other small programs that were pandemic related that every, everything suffered basically. And so the, the American Rescue Plan was very important for us as a city 
the second tranche of money will, when it arrives will be used for much much similar in much similar ways. I, it hasn't been decided yet. You know, I've seen preliminary lists, so we'll, that'll all be available soon to city council and we'll make some decisions. How do you think that local residents can work to reinforce some of the changes being brought with legislation like this if they're interested, for example, going to city council meetings as decisions are being made or other actions like that? Well, of course, we always welcome people showing up to city council. Sitting in that big room by ourselves gets a little old. I would say that they need to watch the emails uh, that happen because in the city in the city of Loveland, all of our emails are available within 24 hours of when they happen. It's a, it's right on the city website, but you can log in, give your name, and uh, watch our city emails live. And the emails that are occurring between the city manager and his various department heads are where the data is really going to transpire until they zero in on what's needed and where they're going to recommend to council that that money be spent. So, you know, council won't be involved in that process in the early, early stages. We will be involved in it once they start narrowing it down and they'll come to us for suggestions and for final decisions. All right. Is there anything else you want to share about your experience as a council member or your experiences being representative for the National League of Cities? I've been doing National League of Cities now for eight years. I've been a counselor for 10. It took me a couple of years to get hooked into the National League of Cities. One thing that I always tell people when it comes to the National League of Cities is that the educational portion of being a city counselor, a county commissioner, things like that, is it's like being fed with a fire hose. Here's your, here's your button. Here's your, here's your fob for the door. And oh, by the way, here's 6,000 pages to read. All that can be done locally, but to get out of the get out of town, go to the National League of Cities meetings and attend classes run by ultimate professionals in each of the different disciplines is it's priceless. You know, it's not it's not inexpensive to fly to Washington, D.C. But when you think about the time being spent in Washington, D.C., you have you know, we took six people. All those six people are donating their time 24-7 for five or six days straight, depending on how long they stayed. And the city's you know, paying our entrance fee, paying for our hotel room, and paying for our airline fee. The amount of money that's being spent for the amount of education that's being gained is an incredible trade-off very much worthwhile and i uh, and i encourage any city anywhere to get involved with the national league of cities the you know while the expense is not minor uh, the payback is huge all right thank you so much for your time today that was loveland city council member john fogel who recently attended a conference in washington dc where city officials from across the country learned about policies like the bipartisan infrastructure law also known as bil and the american rescue plan act's second part and how they impact municipalities. We'll be right back with national news on KCSU Fort Collins.
radio vibes. Oh, I got you, BB. You know that college radio is more than just the Coachella lineup, right? It's also like metal and sports and EDM and news and jazz and KCSU, where college radio is more than just college radio. And we're back on the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm Coda Babcock for KCSU News, and you're listening to National News for March 22nd. U.S. Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, who was recently hospitalized for flu-like symptoms last week, does not have COVID-19 and is expected to be released from the hospital. Reuters reports that Thomas, who is 73, was being treated for an infection with antibiotics and steadily improved throughout the weekend. As Thomas missed Monday's arguments, the Supreme Court says he'll be caught up using transcripts and audio recordings so he can assist in the consideration of the cases he missed while hospitalized. Thomas was first admitted to Silbley Memorial Hospital in Washington, D.C. on Friday night. Supreme Court confirmation hearings opened Monday as the Senate Judiciary Committee began questioning Judge Kentaji Brown-Jackson, who could be the first black woman to serve in the nation's highest court. According to Mark Sherman and Mary Claire Jelonik at the Associated Press, Jackson brings a diverse legal background, which includes time as a public defender. So far, she's received some level of bipartisan interest. AP noted that the committee's senior Republican senator, Iowa's Chuck Grassley, promised to ask necessary questions and make their decisions based on her judicial philosophy. South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham previously supported the confirmation of Jackson to an appellate court, but said he may not vote for her confirmation a second time. Paul Ryan, the former Speaker of the House, supported her nomination as well. Jackson is Harvard-trained, and the American Bar Association recently gave Jackson its highest rating of well-qualified for her nomination. Democratic senators argued for her nomination by showing her history in the criminal justice system and her familiarity with law enforcement, with her family including several police officers. If confirmed, Jackson will be replacing Justice Stephen Breyer, who she previously worked for as a law clerk. A federal judge ruled that former Kentucky clerk Kim Davis violated the constitutional rights of same-sex couples when she refused to sign marriage certificates in 2015. Jacqueline Diaz at National Public Radio reports that it took nearly seven years for this part of the case to be closed, and a jury will later decide whether or not Davis is responsible for the legal fees and other damages paid by couples who she refused to sign marriage certificates for. David Ermold, one of the people denied a marriage license by Davis, tweeted, quote, After seven years, Judge Bunning finally ruled that Kim Davis intentionally violated her constitutional rights, end quote. Ermold continued by saying that the process, quote, feels like seven years of legal purgatory, end quote. Davis's legal team at the Liberty Council says they intend to continue fighting against her paying damages as she was granted religious accommodations by the governor and legislator in Kentucky and did not refuse to sign licenses without approval from her superiors. People like Ermold and his husband were denied marriage licenses multiple times as a result of clerks being given religious accommodations, which couples involved say caused mental and emotional harms. Four people were injured after a shooting around 2 in the morning at the South by Southwest Festival in Austin over the weekend. According to Carolyn Linton at CBS News, all victims were said to have minor injuries. A suspect was reported to be in custody Sunday afternoon, and an investigation began with police saying there's evidence that the shooting, quote, started as a disturbance between two groups of people, end quote. Gunshots were heard by police near the Toulouse Bar nearby, according to the Austin Police Department's Twitter account. As a result of this shooting, along with several more serious mass shootings in tourist-occupied regions of Austin, Austin Police Chief Joseph Chacon promised a strong police presence at South by Southwest even prior to the shooting. The city of Miami Beach declared a state of emergency after shootings over the past weekend injured five people. 
Jonathan Franklin from NPR reports that the city is instituting a midnight curfew early Thursday morning, which will continue until the following Monday, March 28th, at 6 in the morning. In a news conference yesterday, Mayor Dan Gelber said spring break tourists created issues with violence across the city. Gelber said, quote, It's simply unacceptable at every level. We simply cannot endure this anymore, end quote. Additionally, the mayor said city officials don't work to promote Miami Beach as a spring break destination, but work to handle issues caused by it as they come up. That's all for Tuesday's national news. I'm Coda Babcock for KCSU News. Hey, it's Mike and Jack with KCSU Sports Podcast. Back for another week. Today we're going to be discussing the free agency. Jack, you got any uh, big news here? <laughs> oh, we got the biggest news for Broncos fans. We got Russell Wilson coming. And hey, if I've never seen more hope since Peyton Manning oh, in yeah. 2015, it's exciting. Definitely, definitely. I mean, it's insane. We go all these years, no quarterback, no no, no good quarterback play, yeah. I should say. And now we get, what's that? I don't, I don't know what you call him. Top five? Oh, he's, I mean... People would argue, but I, I, people I would, would argue. I would have put, I would put him up there. I'd put him probably four or five as of now. Yeah, no, he he's crushing it. I I think uh, they were talking about his little slight decline in play, but I mean, I don't believe it. You also got to take into account the uh, injuries last yeah, year and stuff. His first injury in his whole career, yeah, right. and it was a minor thumb injury that he already that he like rushed back healing. Mm-hmm. So coming into this offseason. They'll be great. He, uh, I was watching his press conference. He's excited to be there. Oh, his energy is high. Yeah. And I mean, you, you haven't seen that, especially yeah. like you love guys like Teddy Bridgewater. He's a solid quarterback, but his, he, he just, he didn't feel the love. No. Like I liked him as a leader. He was a lot better than what they have had in four or five years, but Russell Wilson, man, even when you see the official, you still don't believe it. Yeah. Right. Like I saw a trade. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. It's insane. Like you never, you haven't seen any kind of hope really from like Broncos fans you've seen media mediocrity like the last what five six years probably longer than that yeah and now you get a generational quarterback and he's only what 33 33 34 November he says he wants to play 10 to 12 more years that's exciting to hear yeah I was watching it live and I had to double take when I saw that I I was like dang all right man (laughs) I don't know about the give up though yeah I I like Shelby Harris. He's old. Yeah, he's a little old. I don't yeah. care about Drew Lock. No, no, one <laughs> not gonna lie here. No one does. Drew Lock. I'm fine with him being on. Yeah, the picks. I don't think we gave up that good of picks. Mm-mm. The only way, only reason I was like a little on the fence, like I was grading a little lower, was because of Noah Fant. Yeah, but at the same time, we got that Albert O. Yeah, so I don't feel like we lost that much. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think with Russell Wilson being who he is too. I mean, you look at those Seahawks tight ends. Yeah. And they don't play good anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> but Russell Wilson makes them look like they're top five. So guys like Albert O, who already looked that good with a Teddy Bridgewater or a Drew Locke, I mean, dang, the 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 Broncos are, I think they're set there. I mean, they just signed, I'm, I'm spacing on his name, but they just signed another, I'm guessing, run-blocking tight end from Baltimore. Um, so that, I mean, that, that'll be good for them. But, I mean, those offensive weapons, yeah, Cortland, right. Judy. You just got how the offensive line holds up. Yeah. Even though, you know, Russell has never had, really. No. <laughs> I mean, if he's, yeah, no. I mean, Denver's O-line's way better, and they're still not even the and best. Yeah, they're so. still not even that good, but they're better than what he had, oh, and yeah. he was already producing at a high level. Yeah, no. And and he, I think he will definitely be able to just take that and work with it. Because, I mean, the way he scrambles, man. It's, oh, yeah. It's phenomenal. And his deep ball with KJ Hamler, which will be kind of a dark horse yep. wide receiver. Yep. I mean, I will say in these next couple of years, we'll probably see either Sutton or Tim Patrick part, yeah. which will be a bummer. But they want I, more money. But I mean, they do run the same kind of ski, like 
they're the same yeah. kind of player to where they're not both necessary. But when we still got them, I'm happy yeah. about it. That's the thing with like we don't, we're not like a team like the Packers who just yeah. have one guy. Yeah. Well, sorry. Now they don't have. <laughs> none of them have that one guy. But we're not like a team that has that one guy. Yeah. We got we got a big offensive like weapons. We have a lot of, a lot of them. I think I think Russell will use them well. But you know, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. No, I think it should really. Uh, really come out probably these first couple weeks the first couple weeks of the regular season I, I think the big thing is they're talking about denver might be in prime time week one well, opening night yeah i mean well should be in all it, prime time they definitely should i think uh because the at los angeles is in the denver schedule just in general the rams and uh they were saying they might that might be the opening game of really? the season oh, just because uh they always started with the super bowl defending, well, the winner, defending yeah. champs and with russell wilson coming back yeah. or like coming to it like towards a team like that yeah. i mean i'm i'm down to see broncos in prime time for once it's just it's it's exciting it's it's a good feeling to yeah. want to watch the games yeah like last year you had to watch them because yeah. you're like it's a team it's my team you gotta watch them yeah but you're not like excited now like there's cool them. plays there's but, cool plays yeah. but there's not those like good players and wins yeah that's that's what i missed the most is the yeah. wins we got with peyton manning in those years well i mean i remember i was probably 12 13 12 13 and i went to a broncos game and i was too i wasn't a really huge into football at that moment but there was this time where i didn't even pay attention to the score like i already knew they'd won yep. and thinking back on that now i'm like oh that'd be nice yeah, i miss be nice. those days <laughs> Every night, nice you could just enjoy the game and know you're going to win that yeah, game. Yeah, oh, man, and it's I, I, with their schedule, all these like hard schedules or all these hard teams they're going to play now become a lot easier a to, lot to easier. stomach. So it'll, yeah, I'm very curious how this season will, yeah. will go. I mean, that's that's only one of the free agency moves. Yeah, that's that's happened. I mean, we've had a crazy free agency. Oh man, I mean, if we just look at the AFC West for a little bit, I mean, yeah. Devontae Adams to the Raiders. Devontae Adams traded for picks. Then you got what? You got Chandler Jones to the Raiders. Chandler too. Jones to the Raiders. You got the Juju signing. Juju the to Chiefs. the Chiefs. The Chargers making huge moves. Khalil so Mack. Khalil Mack. JC Jackson. Jackson. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, and they re-signed William Mike yeah. Williams and. I think they brought in, or the, oh, I guess Li Corey Littleton left the Raiders, which is kind of nice because yeah. that helps the Denver. But um, I mean, the AFC West is just crazy. Crazy. I I, I could not tell you who I think is going to win. No, and I, I haven't seen a, such a small or a, such a focused division have such a big free agency for yeah. everybody. Yeah. And, I, and as long as I've been a fan, I, I it's crazy to see these, uh, especially yeah. Uh, I I mean. I was just talking with Mike earlier about how the Chiefs, I think they can possibly be the worst team in the AFC West. Yeah, but, but at the same time, they could possibly, they be, the possibly be the best. They could possibly be the best, for don't know. sure. It's, yeah. just, it's, it's a matter of how you play, injuries, yeah. and just coaching, I guess. Too. And that's what's crazy about all of these teams. I mean, I think, too, with uh, you look at like a Russell Wilson to the Broncos, the past two Super Bowls have been a quarterback's first season on the team. Yep. Um, it's a good sign for us. And they've transitioned from a defensive coach to an offensive coach, yep. which is very interesting. And you've seen success with that. Obviously, that doesn't mean the Broncos are surefire Super Bowl winner, <laughs> yeah, but right. as much as I hope they would be. Yeah. But it, it creates um, definitely a more competition. I mean, you got Deshaun Watson going to the Browns um, and that I whole mean, mess. That 230 insane. million guaranteed. And guaranteed is the most insane thing. Not deserved. Know. I mean, just in the sense of... You, as. 
I'm talking more like Brown's front office. Like that is such a stupid decision. It is because not only did you give up the money, yeah. you're giving up picks too. Yeah. For a guy that hasn't played in a year. Mm -mm. I'm not doubting his talent. No, of course. His talent's probably still going to be there. He'll uh, probably still be the same to Sean Watson. Oh yeah, for sure. But you got all the off the field issues. I would never give someone, especially that much money yeah. and fully guaranteed. Yeah. But I'm sure that's what Deshaun Watson wanted. Oh yeah. He's like, I'm not going to play if it's not guaranteed. Well, he yeah. Knows if he's going to get suspended, he wants that money. And, and he even had the Browns out of the running for them. Yeah. Um, Just playing with them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it really was them saying, hey, we're going to get you to uh, all of your contract guaranteed. Because, yeah. I mean, he was still working on the Texans contract. Yeah. That was really nice for him. So and I don't, I don't, to me, it doesn't put the Browns in contention. Because mm -mm. you see, I mean, the defense is definitely better than Texans yeah. defense in those years. Yeah. The offense, the running backs are better, yeah. and the receivers are better. But yeah. I, I still don't think it's like that level of a team to where Deshaun Watson can elevate them to a Super Bowl team. No, because he couldn't carry the he, he carried the Texans the year they had like JJ Watt and yeah. still had some good weapons. Yeah, but the year after that they had like borderline like scrubs. Yeah, and they got what four wins. And I mean, I, and you look at the AFC West North too. Um, with the AFC West North, the AFC North because. Uh, I mean, Joey B's got his yep. his O line now, and I think uh, with the Ravens, obviously Lamar Jackson's going to be in full health again. Yep. Like, and J.K. Dobbins back. Yeah. So I mean, all those running backs that yeah. got hurt on the Ravens <laughs> roster, I yeah, felt so right. bad for them. But um, I mean, it, it's crazy. You see, I think the Ravens signed. Oh, I'm spacing on his name, but um, they added a safety. Oh, Marcus Williams, the yeah, Saints safety. Yeah. yeah, he, I mean, they added depth there that they didn't have. And yeah, it's, I will say what's really been quiet is that AFC East. They haven't. There are a few divisions I've seen that just didn't do yeah. anything. I mean, I, well, I guess a huge signing was Bevon to the Bills, yeah. um, which as Broncos fans, we were all sad, but for how much they were paying. I'm, I mean, I'm glad they, he's getting that money. Yeah, me too. I like, mean, I'm not so sure about it, but I'm glad they're getting the money. I, and I, I, to take Russell Wilson over Vaughn, as much as Vaughn's been a hardcore Denver guy, I think he'll retire here. Yeah. Um, but Even I, if it's a one-day contract. Exactly. So, But I think that with Denver, he definitely, um, he put his heart and soul, but I think Russell Wilson will too. Yeah. So I, I think, but yeah, besides that Vaughn signing, which is kind of weird, just yeah. based on like it was super random. Where, he, where he was talking about going, it yeah. was definitely a 180. But yeah, I, I think, and then the good old AFC South, with the Colts just trading for Matt Ryan as of like an hour or two yeah, ago, yeah. which is crazy. He, uh, I think he'll make that team better. I yeah. think we'll see a, a Philip Rivers-esque Colts, yep. which means playoffs, but... Playoff, maybe playoffs. Maybe playoffs. We can't give them yet. Especially with all these other teams, there's a good chance they're gonna, they might have trouble getting and, in there. And so. the Falcons, I was I was thinking about earlier. I'm like, it's Marcus Mariota. Yeah. He's not a bad player. Yeah. He's not the type of player to turn your franchise around. Yeah, no. And also look at that roster. Yeah. He's not, they're not getting past five wins in my book. Well, what cracks me up is the debt there's, I don't know if they're still in that debt, but last year they were over the cap by a lot. Well, they still, they still have to pay Matt yeah. Ryan's contract. Yeah. So that is like, I think I saw on Twitter, it's like the biggest dead cap yeah. they have to pay. Yeah, no. And, and the AFC or NFC South, I mean, talk about a terrible division now. <laughs> you, I mean, how stacked it was circa 2015 or my, I mean, that was with Breeze and, uh, Newton and all that, but yeah. I mean, if you think about it, if Tom Brady doesn't announce that he's unretiring, which also happened, yeah. which is crazy. I, mean, that, um, I feel like we knew he was going to yeah, come back. <laughs> I, I didn't buy it. Yeah. Um, he, I think he was mad about the or uh, Adam Schefter posting it before he yeah. could say anything. But um, 
But before that, every single AFC South team was looking for a quarterback. Yeah. So that division's going to be. I mean, the Panthers are still looking for a quarterback. Yeah, they're man. probably going to draft someone. They got two. They got Cam Newton and Sam Darnold, and you know those guys aren't. They're not going to. They're get not you. ready. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, it's just the Buccaneers to me. Yeah, I mean, the Saints just what re-signed Jameis a two-year deal. I think Jameis can get you some wins. Yeah. Oh yeah. But I just that division is just it's the Buccaneers. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's basically just the Buccaneers. And and honestly, if you have decent quarterback play and a good defense, you can steamroll the other two. Yeah. Being Carolina and I mean, I love Christian McCaffrey, but his injuries, man, his injuries. And you <sighs> just can't carry a team like that. You, you just as a running back, especially in a league nowadays that's such a passing league. Yep. You just can't carry teams like and Matt Rule. Stupid signing. I, I don't know what they're doing. My friends, my one of my best and they friends, just keep him. Is a Panthers fan, and you sign a decently good quarterback or decently good coach out of Baylor. Yeah, like Baylor football. Baylor, that's yeah, Baylor like, football. <laughs> like, oh, dude, ah, oh, man, and they that's, kept him, and they they're still for going. These, I don't know what they see in him. I don't either. No, I, I don't get it. But they, they, uh, God, the um, I'm trying to think too. I mean, even the the NFC. West now with the Seahawks being eliminated from I mean, contention. Yeah, they're not even. I mean, I mean, even the Cardinals, I, I I can see them choking too. I can see the Cardinals getting the same usual 10, 11 yeah. wins and then not doing anything with it. Yeah. I mean, Kyler Murray being all suspicious with his I do like the 49ers suspicion. though. I do too. I think I mean, Especially do you think if, Jimmy G stays? No way. Yeah. I think I feel like he's gotta go to one of these teams that needs yeah. a quarterback. Because yeah. they want to they want to play Trey Lance. Yeah. It's so obvious. Yeah. And I I mean I'm excited about Trey Lance. Yeah. I haven't really seen much of him, Mm-mm. but I want to see what he can do with yeah. that team. Because if Jimmy G can lead him to the yeah to the conference championship, I mean, what can Trey Lance do? Yeah, I mean, it's a league now too where the quarterback's got to take be able to take it to the to the Super Bowl, or else you're not going to see much success. Yeah. I mean, you get guys like Jimmy G, maybe Payne Manning in 2015, where they're able to like do good enough to help you get there. But the defense not, carries the you. defense carries, and I just don't think that's the kind of league we have anymore. No. Um, but Trey Lance, he's he's an interesting guy because you don't know. I just want to see him. I just want to yeah. see him play. Because he, he played right away for like two plays. Yeah. Played middle of the season for played two a few plays. Games. Yeah. Like it's just like you didn't see enough of him. Mm-mm. I want to see I want to see him play a full season, see what he can do. Which is surprising how hurt Jimmy G can get. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm surprised I haven't seen anything. I, like I don't know where he's gonna go. I was I was going on Colts for Jimmy G. Yeah. But I mean, where do you think Baker will head out, head to? Oh, I don't even know. Yeah. Now I'm they uh, kind of a dark horse I thought was the Panthers. Panthers, which... I think Panthers and Seahawks yeah. need a quarterback. Yeah, but did the Seahawks really want to reach on Baker? Especially Does anyone because they'll have to Baker? give up some compensation they just yeah. got from Russell Wilson, and it's like I don't know. And it's not to say like Baker's bad. Yeah, I'd say he's like a good quarterback, like yeah. right in that tier. True, but he's not the type to like turn your franchise around. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how much of a risk teams are willing to take on him. Yeah, I know. I mean, and two. They'll definitely try to ship him to the a- NFC, yeah. which made me even more surprised about Deshaun Watson yeah. that they were gonna that they kept him in the. I guess it's because of the no trade clause, but yeah, still like you're I mean, gonna the AFC is just stacked compared to NFC. Yeah. It's not even no the, the quarterback race at least yeah. is insane. Yeah, no, it's and I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm trying to think of like the NFC NFC East and the NFC North, like nothing, no, nothing. Rogers got his big extension. <laughs> And now he's got nothing. So I mean, what do they, they sign Kirk for? Thirty-five million yeah. for a year. Yeah. Who's paying? Why are you paying Kirk that much? He's he's not showing you that he can do anything with it. It's funny because Jacksonville spent all that money they had, but for what? Yeah. For what? For role in basketball terms, role players. For role players. <laughs> for yeah, they'd be off the bench for sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, at least Jacksonville. I know they signed a couple of linemen. 
franchise tag Cam Robinson. I think they'll nice. be better. I like I like Doug Peterson. You know, he yeah. obviously led the Eagles to the Super Bowl yeah. those few years ago. So yeah. I mean, I like him with Trevor Lawrence. I want to see what they can do. Yeah, I just don't see like much out of it right now, at least. Yeah, um, it's going to be an interesting. We there's still plenty to cover whenever more gets signed because you still got guys like yeah. Odell and. Man, even all a couple of Broncos guys that haven't been resigned. So we'll see soon. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's definitely there's definitely still some like quality free agents out there. But I think as far as like star free yeah, agents, it's, they're, out. they're out. They're out. They're on their teams. We got to see what they can do this year for sure. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for listening in today. Yeah. We uh, definitely keep up with this free agency frenzy and more to come on that. But yeah. see you next episode. Thanks for listening. 90.5 KCSU is your student radio station. This is Darren and Ben and Michael. And we are Wolf Earth. Hey, this is the Red Scare. I'm here with Upward Bound and One Stop Shop for the freshest local and international tunes. from Indianapolis, I'm Madeline Davis. And I'm Ella Fredrickson. CSU women's softball didn't enjoy much success over the weekend, taking a trio of L's in this weekend's triple header against conference rival San Diego State on the road trip out to Cali, where they really struggled to find any sort of competitiveness against a solid Aztec team and pushing them to a disappointing 8-16 overall record throughout the first month or so of the season. Not to mention a rough 0-3 start to Mountain West play. So let's break down how it all happened, starting with their first matchup against SDSU early on Saturday afternoon. This one quickly set the tone for the rest of the weekend's action, with the Rams only going for a combined two hits against some solid Aztec pitching, while also giving up a whopping six runs to SDSU. But hey, at least these two hits by the green and gold didn't go completely to waste, with Daniel Cerna hitting a bomb out to center to put the Rams on the board in the fifth. But obviously, with how many runs they gave up, it just wasn't enough. With the home team going for a total of six RBIs and 10 hits, including sophomore Mac Barbara, who put in four RBIs and a home run of her own. And so were the Rams able to improve on this, let's be honest, pretty terrible performance their first time out? Well, definitely not. Being held scoreless on their three hits and wasting a great six-inning outing from sophomore pitcher Sidney Hornbuckle in Game 2 for a 2 nothing L on Saturday night before turning right around on Sunday and, well, somehow doing even worse, getting run-ruled in by far their worst outing all season. Thanks in part to a seven-run, that's right, seven-run second inning that put CSU out of it before things even really got started. Not to mention only one hit from the green and gold all game long. After this brutal weekend for the Rams, let's hope they can use this adversity as some added motivation when they take on the San Jose State Spartans right here on campus at Ram Field. The Spartans hold a 16-10 record and are riding a two-game winning streak. And we'll just have to wait and see if the Rams are able to turn things around with a couple of wins against SJSU come this weekend. Oh, and you thought we were done with basketball? 
Well, not so fast. The Nugs battled the fourth place team in the Eastern Conference right now, the Boston Celtics down the road in Ball Arena. So how'd they do exactly against a squad that's on this much of a roll? Well, to follow the theme of heartbreak, disappointment, and losing that this show has followed so far, the Nuggets did much of the same, taking a 20-point L, 104-124, to to fall to 42-30 and and to the seventh seed in the West, currently flirting with missing out on the postseason. Let's take a look at how it all went down. From the start last night, Boston controlled the pace in front of the home fans in Denver, but at least for the the first quarter, the Nugs were able to keep up pretty well and stay within reach, only being down six entering the second. But thanks to a horrific performance leading up to the half, marked by a 28-7 run in the final seven or so minutes before the break, the Nugs found themselves in a shocking 25-point hole entering the third. So were they able to cut into the lead at all? Well, as you can tell by the final score, not really. With the Celtics holding on to a 20-point lead or even worse at some points for basically all of the second half. The Joker, like he always does, had his moments, but as to be expected, when he goes, this team goes. And thanks to an off-shooting night where he was only 8 of 23 from the field, which helped contribute to his first game without a double-double in over two months, it's pretty obvious to see why this Denver team, still waiting on a potential return from Jamal Murray, wasn't able to fight their way back into this one. It's not like the reigning MVP's off night really mattered in the grand scheme of things. I mean, the Nugs let both Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum drop 30 on their heads. So unless he would have hit like 10 more of his shots, it probably still wouldn't have been enough. So after that fat L at home, Denver now shifts their focus to another huge matchup in their race for the postseason, hosting the squad right behind them in the Western standings, the LA Clippers, in what I think is a must-must win for this team. Obviously, my fingers are crossed that they can get it done and stay in prime position for the playoffs. And with that, Rams, it's time for a very quick break. You just heard from CTV about women's softball. To watch more CTV content, be sure to check out their broadcast tonight at 7 on CTV Channel 11. I'm Kuta Babcock for KCSU News, and you're listening to Tech Updates for March 22nd. Google settled with engineers who were fired after attempting to organize about various issues. According to Emma Roth at The Verge, the settlement includes six engineers who accused the company of retaliating by firing them for data security policy violations. But specific details on the settlement are private, due to a non-disclosure agreement between Google and the employees. Four of the six employees will not be reinstated at Google, but one remains employed with the company. The four employees who are ineligible for reinstatement at Google work to fight against Google's work with the Customs and Border Protection, along with other choices they found to be ethics issues. Another employee was fired for creating pop-ups in the internal employee guidelines and for the site of an anti-union firm that Google contracted with, which said, quote, Googlers have the right to participate in protected concerted activities, end quote. The case against Google began in 2020 when the National Labor Relations Board filed a complaint saying that Google was spying on two of the six employees prior to their termination. In the NLRB's work, they also found that Google had a secret union-busting project called Project Vivian, and Google was ordered by the court to show more internal documents about similar issues. A Russian court banned Meta products Facebook and Instagram for extremism. 
The Associated Press reports that the Tverskoy District Court outlawed Meta Platforms Incorporated, accusing the social media company of failing to remove content about Russian military actions, which they claim was fake news. WhatsApp, which is also owned by Meta, was not included in the original request to ban Meta products due to its popularity in the country. Russian authorities also said that Russians who use other Meta products will not face penalties from the government. Instagram and Facebook were previously blocked by the Russian government after their media regulator said the platforms allowed for calls for violence against the Russian military. And in the same action, they also banned several non-Russian news sites, including BBC and Duchovella. Netflix is facing backlash after the company announced plans to charge users who share passwords with people outside their households. Ayana Archie from NPR reports that Netflix announced their plan to crack down on users sharing passwords in a statement posted March 16th. In the statement, the company said it will charge additional fees to users who share their passwords with testing on the new policy happening in Chile, Costa Rica, and Peru. One Twitter user posted, quote, How do you expect families to handle password sharing in the case of divorces, their children, or college students away from home? We already pay a lot for it, and now you're just milking us for every dollar spent, end quote. This follows several price increases from Netflix for its basic account, as well as the introduction of two-step verification, which was done to make it harder for someone from another household to log in. That's all for Tech News. I'm Koda Babcock for KCSU News, and now for the weather. Today was cloudy and cool with a high of 47 degrees and a low of 30 degrees, and you can expect heavy winds throughout the evening. Wednesday will warm up, but stay cloudy with a high of 57 and a low of 32, with winds peaking at around 23 miles per hour at noon. Thursday will continue to warm up with clouds rolling out, leaving mostly sunny skies, and a high of 68 with a low of 36. Winds will slow down, peaking at about 15 miles per hour at noon. And for Friday, you'll have to tune in to the next episode of the Rocky Mountain Review this Thursday from 4 to 5 in the afternoon, or check us out a couple hours early on the KCSU app by navigating to podcasts. I'm Koda Babcock, and information comes from the Weather Channel. And that's all for today. We just wanted to thank Damien Castile for our amazing theme music that's playing right now. We'd like to thank our guests today, as well as Portia Cook, Thomas Taylor, David Demuth, Stevie Jones, Hannah Copeland, Bryn McCall, Jack Balsley, London Shell, Hannah Hitchcock, Elliot Hutchinson, Eric Zhang, Brennan Cole, Bridget Bandell, Eliza Droder, Dylan King, Michelle Ellis, Ben Haney, Ben Kruger, Anna Schwabi, Marie Tanksley, Peter Walk, and the rest of the staff here at KCSU and Rocky Mountain Student Media. We couldn't do this without you. And I'd like to thank you, Coda. And I'd like to thank you, Allie. And we finally couldn't do this without you, dear listener. Thank you. <laughs>